Jesus, of all the blessings that we try to count and all the things that we're grateful for, it's that one at the top of the list. It's redemption, it's forgiveness. This work you did on the cross beyond anything we could ever imagine or explain. We, we, we cry holy and praise you. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We love you, Lord. Thank you. It's in your name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. You know, I read a story last week about this guy that went out west for a month to go camping. And the very first Sunday, he got up and he, he put on his best pair of jeans and his best flannel shirt and his new boots, and he went to church. And he really liked church, and when church was over, he was shaking the preacher's hand. The preacher said, are you new around here? And he said, well, no, actually not. I'm, I'm just uh, here vi- visiting. I'll be here for about a month. And the preacher said, are you coming back? And he said, yeah, I'll be back next week. I really enjoyed it. And this preacher said to him, he, he really said this, he said, son, will you do me a favor between this Sunday and next? He said, what is that? He said, would you ask God what he thinks the proper attire is for you to come to this church. And the guy said, what? And he repeated it. So it kind of set him back. It would me too. But the next Sunday came, he got up, put his jeans on, his flannel shirt, his boots. He went back to church. And when it was over, the preacher said, son, I thought I asked you to talk to the Lord about the proper attire to wear to this church. He said, I did. And he said, what did the Lord say? The Lord said, I wouldn't know. I've never been to that church. Now, it would see to the untrained ear, the last three or four sermons I preach, it would seem like God's not been here because we've been stepping on some toes up around this place. You know what I'm talking about? Mainly mine. We've been talking about the difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus based on Kyle Eidemann's sermon series from about 10 years ago. And quite frankly, a lot of us have been beaten up over this thing, tired of hearing how far we are from where we need to be. Tired of it. You know, when you get in front of a car, you get tired. You get behind a car, you get exhausted. How many of you are tired of hearing about how far you are from where you need to be? How many of you are exhausted about hearing it? Because that's me. See, the truth is, life can just wear you out. And, And life as a Christian trying to live the way we're supposed to can wear you out. Will you, sweet family, take just a minute and listen to this unbelievable invitation from Jesus? Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this in the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. Isn't that beautiful? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you at all. Keep company with me and learn to live freely and lightly. Learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, I don't know if you're a Christian or not. I don't know if you're a Christ or not. I don't know if you come to church every week or every now and then. I don't know if you're kicking the tires on this thing. What I do know is this is an amazing invitation of Jesus Christ to do life, especially in these days. The problem with it all is it's also a paradox because as great as it sounds, that's how tough it is because it's unfamiliar to most of us. And what happens is the unforced rhythm of grace actually becomes forced. We work at it too hard. We become tired, frustrated, sometimes painful. Because what we're talking about here is not a new idea or a new concept or a new doctrine. We're talking about a complete life change. 
I'm talking about living the way we should be living, the way we've been preaching we should be living. And anytime you talk about changing like that, it's just hard to pull off. Anybody in here find it hard to make changes in your life? Yeah. Anybody sitting next to somebody you think is especially hard for? Yeah. Okay. See, this offer from Jesus is kind of the life that God intended us. He promises His Spirit will empower you and I to move from where we are to where we need to be. In other words, the same grace that saves us and frees us that we just sang about is the same grace that will empower us to live this kind of life. It's amazing stuff. It's called sanctification. It's called transformation. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but oh my goodness, it's hard to do because it's change. And change is tough. Every time we start to change, we start putting walls up. We put up the wall of fear. I'm afraid I can't do this. We put up the wall of doubt. You think I can pull this off? And then we start making bad decisions. We start making anxious decisions and bad behavior. Before you know it, we're sinning. It's tough. In a sermon he preached about 10 years ago, Scott Scruggs, he, he did this illustration. I wish I had time to do it. I don't, so I'll explain it to you. He had three guys come up on stage, and the middle guy, uh, he instructed the two outside guys to spend 60 seconds and two rolls of cellophane to wrap him up from head to toe. It was funny to everybody in the church except the guy getting wrapped up. But the point was made immediately, and the point he said is this. This is what happens to us. We start getting wrapped up, and at first it's invisible, and we just can kind of feel it, restricting, and then we get nervous. And before too long, you find yourself stuck, and then he points to the person in the middle, and he says, this is what it looks like to get wrapped up with your sin. And it could be, you know, a pattern of anxiety. That's big right now. We're just talking about that. It could be a pattern of behavior, a pattern of attitude, but you're stuck. You want to change, but you, you just can't get out of it. That's why this is so powerful. We know how. He just told us through grace. That's how we get out of it. But here's what we got to do since it's so tough. we got to learn God's responsibility, what He's going to do in this thing, and what our responsibility is, what we got to do, because it's a, it's a back and forth thing. It's a dance. It really is. Uh, the last father-daughter banquet we had in this church, uh, I was in my 50s, and Amy and Ashley and Andrea got me up on stage to dance. It was the first time in my life I had ever danced, ever and you could tell, man, it was funny to watch. Uh, they thought I stepped on their toes in the pulpit. They hadn't seen nothing. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of a cross between Fred Astaire and Jed Clampett. It was amazing to watch. But in a very real sense, what I found out is each dance has a pattern to it. It has a rhythm to it. And as hard as it was and as awkward was for me, I had to somehow get with the movement of the music so I could dance. And this is kind of what I'm talking about here spiritually we got to learn how to move with Christ in this thing, to do this dance so we can move from where we are to where we need to be and get who we are. It's a pattern. It's a, it's a dance of rhythm, the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, I, I wanted to explain more about it when I get to this point, but I realized some of you are already glassy-eyed, which is pretty dangerous when you're up here speaking. So I thought what I'd do instead is just show you somebody from the Scripture who learned how to do this dance. Very well-known guy, King David one of the most popular uh, people in Israel's history. You know, the giant killer turned warrior, turned king. And, and the reason he's so interesting is because he was in the same place you and I are, full of sin. He just kept getting wrapped up, ego and ambition. And then his lust turned into adultery. And his deceit and betrayal turned into murder. And before you know it, old David was stuck. 
And there was no formal sacrifices for him to offer on on behalf of himself in order to get out of it. The only way David could possibly get out of the mess he was in was to throw himself before God and learn the dance of grace. And so I want to read you the scripture from Psalm 51. It should be on the screen. And then we're going to watch his steps and see if we can do the same thing. Okay? Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressors. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Verse 16, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Remember that text? Isn't that wonderful? He learned to dance. You want to learn to dance? Here's step one. It's step one is sin recognition. I mean, you look at this and uh, pretty direct and frank language about David and his sin. He simply says, I know my transgressions. A little girl went to her preacher one Sunday morning. She said, preacher, you've got to pray for me. I- I'm really wrapped up in this sin of vanity. And he said, what are you talking about? She said, I can't help it. I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I just think to myself, you are so beautiful. He said, oh, baby, that's not vanity. That's a mistake. Listen to me. Our transgressions are always before us, you know, but we have a way of kind of ignoring them sometimes and, you know, downplaying them, trying to sidestep them. David didn't do that. He said, my sin is always before me. Not sometimes, not every now and then, not just on Sunday morning when the preacher's slinging sweat five rows deep. My transgressions are always before me, David says, and I take full responsibility for them, which is also something unfamiliar these days. We don't like to take responsibility for anything these days. And you know, one of the reasons why I've talked about this many times, we're always right, every one of us. I don't do Facebook, but they read me some of the stuff back and forth. Nobody's ever wrong on Facebook. That's why everybody's fighting. You know, we're always right. All of us are geniuses when we get on that Facebook thing. It's amazing to me. But then when we do make a mistake, we have a tendency to not take responsibility, but to cover it up or hide it or, or, or downplay it like it's not. The, or, or the big thing is, to, to, we'll, we'll take care of it later. My mom and dad, uh, when I was in high school, they would take Candy back to school for the weekend. She went to, school, uh, to college in uh, Johnson Bible College, which is just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And so it would take the whole weekend, and she would go ahead and leave me at home because my grandma and grandpa lived next door, you know. But uh, I would have buddies over, six, seven, eight, sometimes ten. And we didn't get crazy, but we were teenage boys, you know what I'm talking about? And so one Saturday night, we had this a uh, poker party at my house, and we had Boom Farm, Strawberry Hill, nasty stuff. And Bill Zener, for some reason, always brought orange vodka. And we, t- <laughs> oh, that's good. Man, that's nasty. And we had these big green cigars that just, oh, we were having a blast. At least we thought we were. And we left in the middle of the poker game to go next door to Bill Zener's to watch a movie because he had these big speakers. He was in a band. And the idea was we were going to come back and clean the mess up before they got home. They came home. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a whole other story. I'll tell you sometime. It was ugly. 
But my point is, I think we do that spiritually. We, we get in a mess like that. And in our minds, we think, we'll, get to, we'll clean that up. And then we take it the next step. We think, once we get this cleaned up, we're never going to do it again. How's that work out for you, by the way? See, the first step is not sin avoidance. Because you can't do that anyway. The first step for unforced uh, relig- uh, r- 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 grace, the rhythm of grace, is sin recognition. Don't, don't get in front of Jesus and say, oh my goodness, I promise I'll never ever do that again. I, I mean, Lord, I won't, that will flat wear you out. According to David, the first step is sin recognition. You, you do that by naming it. Instead of trying to get before God and tell Him all these great intentions you have for the future, He wants you and I to be honest and deal with what's beating us up today. You name the thing. Lord, I can't quit taking this pill. I'm addicted. I, I, can't, I can't quit drinking. I'm, dr- I'm drinking more than ever. I don't know, Lord. I can't. Lust is killing me. I can't quit watching it. Lord, I don't know what's wrong with my ego. I get on Facebook and I'm saying things I don't even... I, I'm lying. Lord, I've got this attitude. I'm, I, I just name it. He knows it anyway. He's the only one that can fix it anyway. God has never asked any of us to make lofty, huge promises about our attitudes and actions in the future. He wants to help us deal with what our problems are right now. Don't put it off. I'll get to it later. No, no, no. I was going to tell a joke right now about procrastination. I thought I'd do it later. Listen to me. Don't put this thing off. Do it right now. And this first step, the neat thing about this first step is it leads to step number two, which is God recovery. That just sounds good, doesn't it? God recovery, that's step number two. And that happens the moment you and I take these sins of ours and we lay them out on the table and the light of God's grace comes on top of them and the enemy's power is reversed from it. And when that happens, you and I rediscover the true nature of the God we serve. His essence is love. That's who he is. He's gracious, merciful, and kind, and he'll never put anybody down that comes to him that way. You know, we come to church on Sunday morning with the attitude sometimes, well, I'm here, Lord. Aren't you glad I got up and got cleaned up and came to church today? I could have been doing something, but I'm here, and I'm coming to the table this morning. Most everything's going on in my life. It's pretty good, Lord. I'm here. Good luck with that. But if you come to church with a humble heart, and you come to this altar, which is so powerful, and you say, Lord, I am dealing with it. You can't, I can't fix this. I can't beat this. I'm sorry for what I messed up with. You know what he says to you? Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. And you get that Matthew eleven twenty eight moment. That's his reaction. That's why we're here. Those moments come... Um, Sometimes they're huge. I was talking to Mark Freeman about this just the day before yesterday. Him and I spent the afternoon together. And this happened to me. that God spoke to me in a way that I've never been spoke to before or since. Uh, I was on the rooftop at Riley Tarn Chemical at 2 in the morning on a bucket smoking a cigarette. I worked there. 1980. That's how old I am. Get over it. But I worked to 10 at night till 10 in the morning, 3 on, 3 off. And I'm up on... And, and listen, I'm not praying. I wasn't a crazy person but I was not in the church at the time, and I wasn't acting like I was in the church at the time. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't like what I saw. I had a foul mouth. Anybody ever been there when you looked in the mirror and you didn't like what you saw? And God spoke to me in a way that I'm speaking to you, and I don't know if it's audible or not. It doesn't make any difference. It really doesn't, because it came out of nowhere. He said, Jimmy Kane, 
I love you and I forgive you and I'm ready to use you. I said, man, is that you? I love you. I forgive you. I'm ready to use you. God, do you know the life? Do you, have you heard how I talk? Do you know how I'm living? I love you. I forgive you. And I'm ready to use you. My life changed. Within two years, I sold everything and went to Bible college to learn to become a preacher. I did. It's crazy. His grace is sufficient, more than enough. David said, as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins from us. And so in all this talk about the things we need to be doing when we're not doing them, let's not forget that. You know, east to west, you never catch. If you go east, you never catch west. It's forever. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this when he's writing about David. He writes, David's sin, enormous as it was, was wildly outdone by the grace of God. Our sins are wildly outdone by the grace of God. Now listen, David's sin should not and ever be minimized, and neither should ours. But they are wildly outdone by the salvation done for us at the cross of Jesus Christ. They are a speck on the canvas of His grace. And Peterson says our problem is, to way too often as Christians, we focus on the sin in our life instead of focusing on the God whose main event is working on the sin in our life. Oh, what a breath of fresh air that is to the soul. How many of you like me sometimes identify who you are by the sin in your life? It marks who you are. No, no, no. What marks who we are is the fact that God is working in our lives. And that's why we're here this morning. Not because we're great people. Because we realize when we come to this church, the God of the universe is forgiving our sins through Jesus Christ. Sometimes, man, we just need to hear the gospel again. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and no matter what dark stuff's going on in your life, or no matter what the stuff is that you're not fixing that we've been preaching about, it has been wildly outdone by the grace of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I want you to just think for a minute, close your eyes, and let that resonate in your heart. How wonderful good news that is. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Man, that's why I preach. It's amazing. Okay, i got to hurry. So we've named our sin. We've been honest about it. We've made the second step of recovering God's grace. And, and now the next step is the movement of a willing spirit. He says, As you, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and then grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now that I'm here, let, give me a spirit to sustain me. Notice he doesn't say, okay, and from now on, <laughs> you know, I'm, not doing, I'm making these resolutions from now on, Lord, I'm rededicating, blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that, neither should we. Come on, man. Sometimes we hear a sermon on grace and we get so fired up and we think, boy, that's so good, he loves me. I'll tell you what, from now on, don't even waste your time. From now on, you're going to be full of the flesh and messing up. So David says, instead, I'm praying for you to give me a willing spirit to sustain me. In other words, I'm praying, Lord, that you will give me a want to to change who I am. You got to have a want to. Remember when Jesus went to that guy at the pool of Bethesda? He'd been on a mat for 40 years, paralyzed, and Jesus asked him what seems like a really stupid question. He said, do you want to get well? I mean, a paralyzed guy on a mat, do you want? See, it was a good question because the guy was used to the mat. Good possibility he didn't want to change. Good possibility we don't want to change. Do you want to get well? Do you like being wrapped up in cellophane? It's a good question. Do you know how many psychiatrists it takes to change a light bulb? 
It just takes one, but the light bulb really has to want to change. Listen, you really have to want to change to pull this off. And you and I can't just muster that up. So we pray like David, give me a want to. Give me a willing heart so I can sustain this now that I've been reminded of this. And then the final step, and that this is beautiful. You become a steward of grace. It's, it's, grace is not something we receive. It's something that flows through us. It, we receive it, and then it goes out. And so the final step for David is to move this outward. He says, I will teach transgressors your way, and then sinners will turn back to you. I'm going to get it in. I'm going to send it out. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in John chapter 11. I bring it up at every funeral I have for 40 years. And that's when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead because there's so much hope in that passage. But Bob Russell said, I don't know, 30 years ago, and he stole it from somebody. I don't remember who he stole it to, and they probably stole it too. But I'll never forget this. He said when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he had to speak his name because if he hadn't said Lazarus, he'd cleared the whole cemetery. That's how powerful Jesus' call is to freedom. But when he called Lazarus and he came out of the grave, do you remember what he looked like? Still wrapped up. He was free and didn't know it. Still all wrapped up in his grave clothes. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him free. I think there's too many of us walking around free and we don't know it. So let's get unwrapped and then let's take this less dance step and help other people unwrap. My father-in-law, I, I tell you all the time, I can't wait for you to meet my dad. I can't wait for you to meet my father-in-law too. This, this, this is a story. I'll tell you about them someday. Um, as far as I know, and she can correct me and will if I'm wrong, but um, the, the first time Robert was in church was at my ordination. He came to my ordination, first time ever. And uh, Angie and I were married and we got ordained. And, and he was a hard nut to crack because Robert was a good person. He didn't drink, he didn't cuss, he didn't, didn't cheat people, so he didn't need a Savior. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't talk about Jesus. He didn't grow up with Jesus. He had six brothers and sisters, so there were seven of them, and none of them did anything with Jesus. They didn't grow up that way. And then you got my mother-in-law. She had three sisters, and they didn't deal with Jesus. They just that wasn't part of their life. But something happened along the line about 10 years into our marriage where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, got a hold of Pearl and Robert Fischel, and when he did, he lit a fire in them that, oh my goodness, they got unwrapped and they were on a mission to unwrap the world. And they started with their family and I baptized every one of his brothers and sisters. They'll be standing in heaven. And all three of her sisters, she led to the Lord, two of them on their deathbed. That's the dance. That's grace. I'm free. I'm going to help you get free. That's why we're here. That's why we didn't get up out of the baptistry and just go straight to heaven. We got work to do, especially these days. So, here we are. We hear all this and you say, Jimmy Kane, I can't dance, neither can I. But I know the one that does. And I'm here at the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who has completely redeemed me and is offering me this rest in the knowledge that there's no condemnation for me. So I'll tell you what, I'm having no trouble coming up here today and naming my sin. I'm not making any promises. I'm accepting his forgiveness. And, and I'm going to think about how wonderful it is that I can come and do that every week. Sometimes the same one over and over again, and he doesn't strike me dead because that's not who he is. And then I'm going to ask him this morning, help me now to sustain this 
I'm not making any promises to you, Lord. I just want help my want to. I want to do better. And I'm going to go out and share it. Come up with me this morning. Spend some time with Jesus. Talk to him a little bit. Let's dance, man. Let's dance.